0: Since being here in Ridgefield and among you, the St. Stephen's worshiping community, I have come to know these people, you, to be very dedicated and hardworking. You take responsibility for that which you say you'll take responsibility for all the way to the end. And you know how to figure things out and to make things work. And that is a beautiful thing. I have relied on you all a lot for us to be the church together. There is a shadow side to this, however, and that is that it makes it hard for people to receive. When we feel competent and confident, and we think, I should be able to do this, it can be hard for us to welcome or receive the offering of another. I've experienced this in a handful of times when I have helped someone out, Taking their kid for an overnight, or something like that. And people have said, oh my, I owe you. And I think, are we keeping score? You owe me? Uh Uh-oh, does that mean all the times I ask you to pick up my kid and drop them off, like there was a tally mark or something for that, and now finally I've paid that off because I'm taking your kid for an overnight at a time when you really need it, so now you owe me? Oh dear. I hope we're not keeping score. I'm a very indebted person if we're keeping score. I don't think these folks, and I really could count them on one hand, who've said to me, I owe you. I don't think they really mean that they owe me or that we're keeping score. I think what they're trying to say is, I could never repay you for the convenience, the help that you're giving me now in picking my kid up or dropping them off or keeping them for an overnight. I think that's what they're trying to say. But sometimes we don't know how to convey our gratitude, and it comes out sounding all wrong. Paul is talking about that in his letter to the Romans this morning. When he says, owe no one anything except love. Now, to our very trained, responsible ears, we might hear this and say, "Okay, you know what? I need to keep my ledger balanced. So every time I do rely on someone, I'll make sure to return them with a plate of cookies or I'll make sure to write the thank you note two days afterward or I'll make sure to make them a meal the next time because they made me a meal this time. I better keep it balanced because all I can owe people is love. That isn't what Paul is saying. When Paul says, owe no one anything except love, what he's saying is, that is all you owe. All you owe is love. There is no other ledger, there is no other scorecard that keeps track of all this stuff. All you owe and all you will ever owe, and you will owe it, is love for one another. We owe it to one another, and we owe it to God. This is what Paul's saying when he talks about the fulfillment of the law, is to love one another. It's what Jesus said, the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is summed up in that. Your job, all we owe to one another, all we owe to God is love. And yet it's hard for us to believe. Maybe sometimes it's hard for us to believe because loving is hard to do. And we'd rather, I don't know, write a check or something. Something a little bit easier than love. You may or may not know that the Episcopal Church has a service for private confession. It's called the Sacrament of Reconciliation. People who grew up in in the Roman Catholic tradition would know something about this as well. And at the conclusion of that sacrament, when the priest pronounces forgiveness to the person who has come forward to ask for it, which has already been promised but now they get to hear it specifically to them that Jesus, you are forgiven in Christ. They get to hear that. And then sometimes the priest will give the person something to do in order to get the hang of owing only love. Penance is what it's called sometimes. Something that they can do so they can get the hang of it. How is it that I live only owing love? Only love. It is such a hard thing. And when we're overwhelmed by the goodness that we've been given, we often think we can never repay it, and that is true. But we do owe on it, and what we owe is love. Love of God and love of neighbor as ourselves. Perhaps one of the challenges in this teaching from Paul in his letter to the Romans is to love our neighbors as ourselves, and maybe we're not very good at that part, loving ourselves. Because we know of all the things we should have done, could have done, didn't do, want to do. And so we are hard on ourselves. It is impossible to love others more than we love ourselves. We can only give the love that we know that we have. And so Paul calls us to attention and he says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul had no problem with loving himself. If you read in some of the other scriptures, both about him and in his own teachings, he'll tell you in his own writings, he will tell you how confident he is of his goodness. He will tell you that he's a learned man, that he, as far as righteousness goes, is at the top of the game, man. You can't get any better than him. He goes through a very long list in one of his letters. And then he says, I count it all as nothing because of what God has done for me in Christ the transformation that took place in him as he came to know God's love for him in Christ is that other people were that great too, that other people were that valuable. Even if they didn't do it just like he did, he saw the value in the others in a way he had never seen it before. It transformed him. It turned him from a murderer into one who could only talk about life. He was zealous for proclaiming the good news. He's the first one in our Christian history to write things down. Just a few years after Jesus' death and resurrection, he went far and wide to make sure people know, make sure people knew that God loved them. And he was tireless in that. And yet here we stand, or sit, 2,000 years later, and we say, really? God loves me that much? Are you sure? because I can tell you all of my inadequacies. Yes, I can tell you the good things I've done, but I can also tell you what I didn't do, what I should have done, what I could have done. It is hard for us to conceive and thus hard for us to receive the love of God in Christ. It can feel impossible, but God's love transforms us. It is what makes us worthy. We aren't worthy to the extent that we want to be by the measures of this world. We'll always fall short, but because of God's love, we are made worthy. George Herbert was an Anglican priest, Church of England in the 1600s, right around the time of the Reformation. And he wrote profusely during his short life. He died in his early 40s. He wrote a poem called Love Three, and I know I've shared it with you before. Maybe you weren't here on that Sunday, but even if you were, I think it's worth telling you about again. I'm going to read it for you, but I want to tell you what you'll hear, because it is written from the 1600s, and it sounds that way, and it is a poem, which gives it a little bit challenging of a layer to interpret. But what you're going to hear in this poem is someone entering a room and being greeted by Christ, love. Christ greets him, and all of a sudden he realizes his unworthiness. And he hesitates to even go in the room. But Christ tells him, no, you are the one I've invited. And he says, it can't be true. I'm not worthy. Christ says, no, I made you worthy. And he argues even one more time, I don't think I can come. And Christ insists that he come. This poem is called Love, Love 3. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful? Ah, oh, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply Who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve.